Okay, I see you. This is good. This is our last health empowerment midweek for this year. Don't be sad. Guess what? We're going to be back next year. But tonight's session, we will be talking about accessing care to promote good health. We will have a Q&A session at the end. I see those ones coming through. Great. Please know that we will not be calling on raised hands. Please put your questions in the chat. If we don't get around to the questions during service, please send your email address so that the specific speaker can correspond with you. I will now introduce our amazing, amazing speakers. Dr. Laurie DeBonet is a pediatrician who practiced 10 years in Chicago. The family relocated to New Jersey 16 years ago to allow her to pursue another passion, clinical research, where she has had the role of clinical research physician developing and conducting adult and pediatric clinical trials globally, including in Sub-Saharan Africa, another area for which she is passionate. After Dr. Laurie, our next speaker, Dr. Kara Gill, known as Mackie, outside of her professional life, is a medical doctor who attended medical school, residency, and fellowship in the great state of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah where she became a disciple of Jesus Christ as a medical student. She lives with her family and practices primary, primarily adult medicine. Dr. Gill will speak on adult women. Get ready, get your notepad, your pen. It is gonna be popping tonight. After Dr. Gill, Carlita Kimberlin is a certified crisis counselor and peer support specialist for crisis text line since 2019. Okay. He also volunteers as a disaster response crisis counselor for New Jersey Division of Mental Health Services. Kalito will touch on overall mental health access. Our last speaker, the last time the speaker was here, he told us we need to eat apple. Don't be snacking all the unnecessary, you know, stuff, apple. Dr. Aria Kunis <laughs> is the board certified family physician practicing in Elizabeth, New Jersey for the past 25 years. That's older than some of us. Yes, I'm older than me. I'm just saying. With us, And he's going to be talking about adult man health, okay? Now, when I'm going to say anything else, I will now pass it on to Dr. Laurie. It's all yours. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maxu. And hopefully everybody can hear me okay. Um, I've had some technical issues today. I've, I've got some slides that are actually really pretty. I was proud of myself. Really nice colors, really to the point, but you don't have them because I had technical issues. So I'm looking at my slides and you're kind of stuck with just listening to me. So sorry about that. I actually like having slides to follow along. So if I don't look at you, it's because I'm looking at my slides. So, you know, I'm honored to be able to, to speak to all of you. Um, you know, it's, it, it's fun to go first, a little bit of pressure because I really do want to make sure that I'm brief and to the point so I give the rest of the amazing speakers time. So as Max said, I have the absolute pleasure of being a pediatrician. And, you know, I went into pediatric medicine for, for somewhat selfish reasons. And that leads into, um, you know, what I'm going to talk about today. I feel like as parents, I have a really motivated audience. I don't feel like I have to preach to you about well child care for your kids because you know, I know you're motivated to get your kids um, uh, the, the care that they need. And so that was one of the reasons I went into to pediatric medicine because I knew I was working with a pretty motivated population. I may not tell you anything that you don't know as parents, but you know, I hope to go through a couple points um, to sort of explain you know, what we're looking for in, in well child visits. And you know, because I have the privilege of doing research in Africa, I am well aware that access to healthcare is a privilege. It shouldn't be. Everyone should have equal access to healthcare. 
I'd like to think that in the US, we all have equal access to healthcare. That is not true. It is certainly not true outside of the US. So, um, you know, I understand that I'll talk about these well visits, but I also understand that sometimes access to healthcare is, is, is challenging. So um, I'm gonna share a scripture and this is not just, of course my slides just went blank. This is not just, you know, for, for pediatrics, this is for all of us. Um, and it's 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and we know this well, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have received from God, right? So one of the ways that we can, you know, honor our bodies as temples is to get the health care that we need, you know, to, to, to get our well visits in. And so again, I'm going to focus on the well visits for pediatrics. As all of your parents know, the first year of life, you see your pediatrician for well visits about seven times, right? Um, you, you get to be really well acquainted with your pediatrician and that's for well visits. You know, if, you're, if your child is sick or if there are concerns, you get to see them a whole lot more. And one of the things I used to tell my patients is, look, we are potentially entering into an 18 year relationship. I really hope you like me, but if you don't, you have choices. Please find a pediatrician that you like because we're gonna see each other a whole lot. And, you know, I felt like a lot of my patients were family and I hope they felt like, you know, I was family in some way. So, um, so you know, why do you see your pediatrician so often the first year? So as, as you know, you'll see your pediatrician at about two to four weeks post-discharge, two, four, six, uh, nine and 12 months. And um, I'm sure you all know this, but the goal of these well visits is to really, um, for the first year of life, especially to make sure that the, the infant is growing and developing correctly. So as, as a, on, on target. So of course, as you know, you know your, your child will get their height and weight measured every visit. During the first year of life, they'll also get their head circumference measured because we want to keep a, an eye on the head size because, you know, deviations from that can point to some, some medical problems. Um, and you probably know we record your child's height and weight on CDC, uh, um, uh, CDC approved growth charts that are specific for age, that are specific for gender, right? And so if you ever you probably know, you know, your doctor probably say your child is in the X percentile, right? If they don't ask, ask them to look at your growth chart. We look at growth charts over time because we wanna make sure that the child is tracking according to where they should be on that growth chart. Now, of course, you know, you, you some things that are can be of concern. If your child is, let's say at the 25th percentile for weight or lower, or the 90 or 95th percentile for weight or higher, that raises a bit of a red flag. Not that that's a problem, but that's something that we're gonna wanna look at a little bit more closely and maybe follow your child a little bit um, more frequently to make sure that they're tracking along their growth curve. Now, if their height and weight are, are consistent, even if they're low, as long as they're tracking on the growth chart, perhaps that's okay. Perhaps you will have a very petite child or you'll have a, a, a bigger child. And, and you know, a lot of times that's fine, but that's what we're looking for. Um, and, you know, we also want to know, you know, how the baby's eating, how breastfeeding going, how is going, how formula feeding is going, you know, things like that. Um, we also uh, want to assess development. And again, th those visits are specifically for particular milestones. There are particular milestones we look for at two months, at four months, it's, you know. So again, every visit is associated with milestones and we want to make sure that the baby is on track for milestones or if they're not, again, we may wanna see them more frequently. It may or may not be a concern, um, but it's something that we really do track um, to make sure that they're meeting their milestones. Um, you know, we can detect early signs of developmental delay, which, you know, early on we can make a, an appropriate referral. So that's really important. Um, 
you know, we, of course, as, as you know, immunizations are, are uh, very frequent and very important um, um, at that age. Um, and it's funny because I just downloaded from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the latest immunization schedule. When I was in practice um, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, um, th there were so many immunizations. When I look now, oh my goodness, if I were the parent of a young child, I'd be a little overwhelmed by all of the new vaccines that are out there. But let me say this, and I'm not going to preach about immunizations, but I'm a fan, right? I, I, I was in an era where I saw diseases eradicated because we had immunizations. I don't know if I have time for this story, but um, when I was growing up, chicken pox was kind of a given. You'd get chicken pox, you, you'd want to be exposed to chicken pox, so you'd get it. When I was in, in practice, I was you know talking to some residents and they showed a picture of chicken pox. The chicken pox vaccine had come out. These residents were looking at that picture like, oh, wow, what's that? It was in that moment when I realized, oh my goodness, chicken pox has almost been eradicated in my lifetime because of the vaccine. So again, I'm not gonna preach, but vaccines are very, very important. And you know, keeping your child on the immunization schedule is also important. But you have every right, you know, to ask, okay, doc, what's my kid getting? What's what's it for? Why? Um, you know, please ask those questions to your pediatrician. I'm also going to tell you about a great resource um, where you can learn about the immunizations. Um, you know, we also really want to look at the relationship you have with your child. You know, we can potentially pick up on, all right, there's not, their bonding is not there, or or this parent is distant, or you know, things like that. So we. We watch, we observe, we observe their relationship, um, not to make you nervous, but um, you know, for the most part, the relationship is perfectly fine. Um, but those are things we look at. We give anticipatory guidance, meaning, okay, look out for X, Y, Z in the next couple months. Okay, you're about to start, you know, solids. Okay, start with this. So, you know, we, we should give you anticipatory guidance and what to look out for over the next couple months. Um, and again, it's an opportunity to build a long lasting relationship. So, so those visits are very, very important. First year of life is the most that, the, you know, between one and two, you're seen at 15, 18 months, at two years of age, two years, two and a half years, and then it's yearly after that, right? Um, what we can also do is look for potential risk factors, right? Um, again, observing the parent-child interaction, um, you know, screening for, for genetic disease or looking for genetic diseases, you know, there is newborn screening. And so every newborn in the United States that is born, yeah, there's mandated newborn screening and it tests for, I don't know what the latest number is, it tests for about 20 plus genetic diseases, but it does not pick up everything. And so we're able to see, you know, you tell us your family history, we're able to see, okay, this child, you know, has some characteristics of XYZ syndrome. So again, we're able to really monitor for, um, you know, either genetic diseases, chronic diseases, you know, looking at the kid's weight again, um, a lot of diseases, unfortunately, that used to be adult diseases, are now diseases of childhood too. Obesity, as we know, there's an epidemic, about 14 million adolescents uh, are, are obese. That comes with pretty much the same medical problems that adults have. You know, if, if you see a child whose uh, BMI is greater than the 95th percentile, you'll probably wanna get lipids. You'll probably wanna do a fasting glucose. Type two diabetes, which is usually in adults, can occur in these, in these kids, you know, based on factors that, that they can control for the most part, not always, um, there's some familial things that may cause obesity, but, um, you know, we can address those. We can start to talk about diet, um, you know, in terms of screenings that are done. So at one year of age, typically we do a CBC, a blood count to make sure your child's not anemic, to make sure their white count is fine. Um, in Chicago, and I think this is universal, but I honestly, I'm not hundred percent sure we would do a lead level 
uh, at, at a year of age um, uh, because a lot of old houses, you know, had lead-based paint. And so that was very important. Um, what else did I want to say? Um, so that's kind of all I wanted to say just about the, these well visits. There's a reason behind them. Um, I would highly, highly recommend as a resource, the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, I'm a member, most pediatricians are members, but even for, for non-members, for parents, you can go in and find probably any and everything you wanted to know about pediatrics is posted on the American Academy of uh, Pediatrics website. Um, it's made up of about 67,000 pediatricians. The guidelines that are there are based on research. They're based on committees that decide on what immunizations are needed. You know, what, what is a concussion protocol? I mean, you know, if you have the question, how do you handle a fever in an infant? You know, if you have that question, you potentially can find the answer on, on the AEP website. And the last thing I'll say is the full immunization schedule is posted on the, on the AEP website. So you can go and look and see all right, my, my child has a two-year visit. What do I expect? Oh, this this shot, this shot. Okay, I've got this question for the doctor. So I'd highly encourage you. Um, it's www.aap.org. I can put it in the chat, but it's a really, really great resource. Um, I think that was everything I wanted to say and I've potentially gone over time. I'm really sorry, but you know, I'm here to answer questions. I think everybody knows me. Please, please, please reach out to me. I'm, I, I love the, the questions. And with that, um, I will hand it over to Mackie, I think. Yes, Dr. Gill is next. Thank you, Dr. Laurie. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Good evening. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Hill, uh, Dr. DeBornay. I don't know if you can see me, but I can see you. So um, I'll just continue talking. Um, good evening, Lori. Thank you. That was great. That really was good. Actually, I thought you were going to give us some more information about the pediatric population, you know, up until age twenty-one. But that's okay. You can answer some of the specific questions um after. So, for the sake of time, because we do have two other speakers, what I chose to do was just to focus on some highlights, things as females that we need to pay. Okay, some recommend that um, if you don't have insurance, we really want to encourage uh, you to consider the um, affordable care. Um, you can get great coverage through that. Open season is beginning in November, so we want you to take advantage of that to make sure. You can also get charity care um, or hospitals that have teaching uh, medical programs. You can get dental work. You can get medical work. So don't be afraid to go ahead and sign up for charity care. If your job uh, is not offering you full insurance or if you're not able to get full insurance, so let's make sure that we sign up for uh, insurance. Uh, it's it's um, really a, a great thing to be able to have in America where we can access healthcare. So when it comes to getting your mammograms, um, if you're between the ages of 45 and 54, it's important for you to um, get it annually. Uh, if you're, if there are some uh, reports of you know, fibrous or um, dense tissue, 
you are eligible
strong dosing, you get one shot, and then between two to six months, you get a second shot, okay? Um, you also want to make sure that they are, you know, talking to you about just things that you can do for you to keep yourself well. I'm going to uh, pass this on now to Carlito to make sure that he gets a chance to talk about mental health and then on to Ariel to talk about men's health. And I'll take any questions after. Thank you. Maxim. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Mackey. Okay. So uh, I will talk about mental health and what's beneficial for me to present is I will talk to you as a consumer of mental health services, as well as what to expect and sort of some questions maybe to ask. And uh, I look forward to this. So thanks. Uh, I will share my screen because what better way to talk about mental health, but to look at scripture, right? So Mental health, the way I looked at it when I was approaching mental health and mental health care services is I was a deer caught in the headlight and I was like, oh boy, let me go see a therapist. So first thing to say right off the bat to you is you couldn't be more brave and more courageous to go and seek therapy and counseling. Uh, I think it's wonderful treatment to sort of get in your brain open up it to a, a professional counselor and to talk about issues. One piece of advice I can give you, I was thinking about a scripture that can probably set yourself up in your heart is probably Proverbs 2, uh, verse 1 and 2. Uh, my children, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, uh, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your, inclining your heart to understanding. Now, the words I like in that for, for, for when you go in as a patient to receive any kind of therapy, uh, you know, observing mental health as it relates to you, basically looking in the mirror, is I love the word ear attentive and inclining to understanding because there's a lot of talking going on that you'll volunteer yourself based on the, the counselors guiding you, but then you being attentive to what they are picking out, what the counselors are picking out and trying to help you understand uh, would say, say some of your blind spots or just maybe some of your trauma from the past or maybe some of your crisis from the past, um, maybe some of your upbringing. It's okay, because here's, here's the advantage I think we have as disciples. And by the way, disciples, you probably, we all are probably star pupils for therapists. We make their jobs easy. We really do. Because our advantage, and you're going to see my cheat sheet notes here, so you can take some notes for yourself, is we, uh, disciples, uh, have the strength of humility and openness. We really do. We're, we're like the star pupils for therapists where we can just open up, talk about what's going on presently, currently, what we're worried about in the future, what we're worried about in the past. And they just will soak it in and say, wow, let me just kind of bring this in and we'll just talk about these issues. And there's just that humility of just understanding like, you know, doctor, therapist, whoever, I need help. I really do. And then the other part I will say in terms of uh, input and, you know, through my experience of approaching mental health is pray, pray, and pray. It's great to go in as an open book, but when you are diagnosed, and I really believe oh, like maybe 90% of America is walking around undiagnosed, but I really believe that once you're diagnosed, you'll be like, okay, let me take a deep breath here. I had no idea what that term means, but now I understand myself a lot better. Exploring access to mental health care services. 
uh, vast resources. So I just kind of alluded to a talk therapy with a psychotherapist 101, a psychologist and a psychiatrist 101. They, uh, of course, as you know, or should, maybe you don't know, uh, they are ones who can recommend medication, right? That's the difference between uh, you know, these, this folks and, and the psychotherapist. Uh, a psychiatric nurse, highly recommended. I, I really think the psychiatric nurse for me is a um, uh, valuable resource because they're cheaper than a psychiatrist or psychologist. Quite honestly, they are much more affordable and they can prescribe medication. Uh, so social workers from affordable care networks, uh, outpatient treatment facilities, AKA group therapy, which I've been to plenty of times. And I really, I, I think the strength of group is just like how we have Bible talks and Bible discussion community. Um, uh, my therapist even told me like the strength of you, Carlito is in group. And so I volunteer and raise my hand to go back sometimes to group therapy. Um, and, and I know the facilities that I go to. Uh, check with your insurance provider first. So if you have you know, corporate benefits, uh, you know, call Aetna, call, you know, your provider, Blue Cross Blue Shield, maybe ask them with a provider, just ask them about mental health care services and just start with that in their counseling. Here's one I want you to put in your Google search. You put in open counseling and it's all one word and you just Google it right away. And this is a resource that uh, I'm, I'm offering to you from uh, my work as a crisis text line is uh, open counseling is an affordable uh, it's a site really for uh, therapists that are providing affordable care so that if you're afraid of how much it's going to cost you can try this site uh, and, and see if that's going to work for you uh, and then finally peer support specialists the national alliance of mental uh, illness has a peer support network peer support just simply means people have lived experience such as myself and they provide sort of that guidance as hey uh, you know understand what you're going through there are what's called warm lines that you can call into 800 numbers and sort of get some feedback and guidance from them. Uh, you could just Google N NAMI for National Alliance of Mental Illness. And I'm going to put a plug here, and Chuck's going to be proud of me, is the peer mental code of the state church. The, we are rounding out and, and our on, on uh, under sometimes Bobby likes when I do kind of and, very soon, as soon as the end of October, which is next week, right? So more to come on that and the announcements there. I lastly want to leave this with you in terms of what does therapy look like? Well, crisis and crisis uh, counseling and crisis uh, hotlines, it, it really is, I like the um, analogy of heated emotions is a warning light on the dashboard, if you will. It's sort of a signal like something's going on here and I get to get immediate attention. When you go, when crisis counselors, we help people, we have to recommend them, refer them and send them off. We don't just treat them there. They need to go into some sort of triage, right? So they're going to go into long-term treatment with therapists, psychologists, you know, psychiatrists, everything I just mentioned. But this is the important thing to listen and hear when you're in therapy. The words and the sentence of it's not your fault is so important to hear. It truly is. And in fact, to make you feel more comfortable and so that if you're tentative or fearful of therapy, I want to reference no, uh, Numbers 14, go back to it, study it out, read it, because the Lord, our God himself, needed some counseling. He needed a little bit of help from Moses. And if it wasn't from Moses, where would we be today? Why? Because we know that at some point, 
the Lord was really upset, very upset with the Hebrews. He was willing to strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But Moses steps in and he says something to the effect, well, I'll just read it. The Egyptians will hear about it by your power. You brought these people up from among them and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them and that you go before them in a pillar of a cloud of day by day and pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving them none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land of the promise them on oath, so he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now, may the Lord's uh, strength be, be displayed just as you have declared, slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion. How awesome was it, Moses, just to remind, Lord, just take a deep breath. Let's calm down. Let's count to three. One, two, three, and let's just consider what you're thinking about here. So that helped me when I, before I went into therapy to be like, even the Lord understands that we all need, there's that helmet of salvation, pop the hood, let's get underneath, let's see what kind of wiring we got going on in there. I enjoy it. I still go. I had a lot of stress a couple of weeks ago from a family. I went twice. I needed that help. So I'll tell you this much. Um, it is worth your while. Take the courage and the bravery to do it. You will not regret it. So now I can send it off to Ariel, Dr. Ariel, who can bring us home. Hey, good evening. Thank you, Carlito. That, that was awesome. I think uh, you're right. There are a lot of folks that are undiagnosed and we all need some help. Um, anyway, I'm talking about um, routine health screening from the male standpoint. Uh, first point is family history is important. You got to know your family history as much as you can and share it with your provider. Um, so let them know what, what, what has happened in your family in the past health-wise uh, so they know what to look for. Uh, from time to time, you want to visit uh, your primary care doctor uh, to be screened and assessed for any future risk. They'll encourage your healthy lifestyle, update you on vaccines, and you want to maintain a relationship with a provider. Uh, in case of an illness, that way you're not scrambling trying to find help. Um, you know, during these visits, your providers, Maxine talked about those, you know, screen and discuss for uh, regarding depression and anxiety, diet and exercise, safety, as in seatbelt use, smoke detectors, you know, firearms in the home, uh, alcohol and tobacco use, and uh, medications and interactions. Starting at age 20 with men, it's gonna be a yearly blood blood pressure check. See where you're at. Very simple to do. You can get them done anywhere. Um, the And screenings all depends on who you ask. Uh, the US Preventative Services Task Force has a different set of guidelines than the CDC in some areas. And each individual uh, um, academy, like the Academy of Family Physicians, our recommendations may differ somewhat from the American College of Gastroenterology or the American Cancer Society, uh, just in small areas. Um, but for the most part, that you know they 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 all coincide. You will check your cholesterol every five years if you have no risk factors. More often, if you do have some, 
Uh, you check diabetes uh, every three years if you have no risk factors, but more often if you have uh, risk factors such as obesity and uh, family history. And EKG uh, every four years after 40, uh, just as a routine thing. Uh, dental checkup every six to 12 months. Uh, yes, Maxine, and I included that um, as part of your routine care. Um, then uh, for eye exams after age 40, every two years, uh, every two to four years uh, until age 55 after that, it can be every one to three years. So as we mature, the eyes need more care uh, more often. Uh, looking for cataracts, looking for glaucoma and different diseases that affect the eyes. Uh, and also you'll talk about the vaccines that Maxine talked about. We can feel all vaccinated out regarding COVID, but vaccines, especially later in life, are very important um, because they prevent death. Uh, you may still get sick, but you won't die from these things. Uh, so the flu vaccine, the COVID vaccine, that the new one's out this week uh, that you can get updated on, uh, shingles, pneumonia, uh, RSV is now a vaccine. And uh, they have that for children and adults over 65, uh, as well as the whooping cough vaccine. Uh, so we recommend some of these vaccines for the older folks, um, uh, people above 65 years old, because you take care of grandchildren. You visit grandchildren, great-grandchildren, especially when they're first born. And you don't want the first thing to do that you do is give them RSV or give them you know, whooping cough. Uh, that will you know end up in them being hospitalized. Um, screening for colon cancer. Uh, recommendations start at age 45. You screen every 10 years uh, if everything's okay. You will screen 40. You'll start at 40 if you have a family history of someone uh, immediately related to you who has colon cancer or 10 years from the age of their diagnosis. So if they're diagnosed at 45, you will start at 35. Um, unless there's some genetic issue going on there and we screen for colon cancer until for routine things until age 75 after 75 we don't do it as a routine thing only if there's a problem uh in between colonoscopies we still screen with uh stool tests every year or you can get a dna test for your stool that's done every three years if it's covered by your insurance um and for men prostate testing i started age 40 Again, your U.S. Preventive Services Task Force doesn't recommend it at all. The CDC starts later, uh, but I start at 40, and I check yearly uh, for prostate cancer uh, in the men that I treat. Um, you will. <clears throat> there are other things like osteoporosis that you can check for uh, in men early. You start at age 70 in men uh, because that's when your testosterone levels will be dropping significantly. Um but you, you can get a check at age 70. You can do it beforehand if you have risk factors, uh, such as if you smoke um, or if you take chronic steroids for some other disease. Um, and then a once-in-a-lifetime once check for hepatitis C, once-in-a-lifetime check for HIV. Um, you know, in Ephesians 5.29, part of it says, after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he cares, but he feeds it and cares for it. It's important to self-care. Um, so I just want to mention that important to take care of ourselves. So exercise regularly, uh, daily, if you can eat right. So yes, you know, get your apples, um, you know, so have fruit instead of some type of, you know, sweet, you know, some type of a, a processed, you know, snack, uh, sleep, right. Get your seven to eight hours every night. 
and play hard, meaning get away. Get away, spend time away, enjoy life. Uh, we're not guaranteed day to day. Um, so uh, let's enjoy it as best we can and really take care of ourselves. Thank you all so much for being here tonight, for listening.